I'm, um, I'm glad to be seated here. <laughs> so, Father, we are indeed grateful that you lead and guide us each day in our lives. And Lord, we, we thank you that, uh, for what you, the opportunity you present to us to be your servant. And Lord, this special time of the year in which we remember your triumphal entry into Jerusalem and this week, O oh God, in which you continue to defeat the cross before you even get there. Lord, we thank you. And so we pray that you give us insight to your word and Lord, that um, your Holy Spirit help us to see the realities of the word that continue to apply to our lives. So bless this day, this time together, and Lord, your word to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, and uh, as Rhonda was taught Sunday school from this morning, and she was talking about the book of Ezekiel, and how that Ezekiel um, proclaimed the word, okay? Now, we have to understand that the word of God is eternal. Jesus is the word become flesh. So when people enter into judgment, you know, they, they fall into the judgment of God, it means that they have rejected the word, and the word stands in judgment. It isn't like God is saying, okay, you're a bad guy, you get judged. <laughs> what, what we are looking at is that the word of God is itself life. The word of God is living and active. So the word of God is alive. The word of God is Christ. And whenever we stand in opposition to the word, we stand in opposition to Jesus. And when people are in opposition to God, they stand. They are recipients of what they stand in opposition to, okay? They, are, when they, don't, they don't have the blessing. So let's do it from the other perspective. When we stand in agreement with the word of God, we stand, is it where, um, I, I thought of, an, you know, and, I, and I don't think of this as dividing a church, but I mean, you, if, you, if you, we could put a line here, and we would say that over here is is the word of God, and all who believe in the word are in this presence, this spirit. I, I thought of, you know, when the um, children of Israel were crossing the, the Red Sea, that there is this wall of, that's there that separated the sea from them, and um, they were, they, they, you know, it's like the fish in the sea were swimming out and looking at those guys walking by. It's like, like what are those people doing down here, you know? <laughs> so it was like that, there was that type of a, there's that type of division in our life where we are in the word and the word has life to us and we're able to see the truths and we're able to understand the truths. And then there are people who are looking at the word, they're looking at that and their eyes are blinded and they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the word, they don't receive the benefits of it. So but whenever we have the benefits of the word, then we also are under the blessings of the word. So the blessings of the word are for those who believe and for those who are receptive to it. Now, the judgment of the word is for those who are on the other side, of it were, that refuse to accept Christ as their savior. Okay, they refuse to accept Christ as their savior. And they are... They are um, not able to be receiving uh, the blessings that God has for them, okay? So 
what we're, we're looking at, it isn't that we have to be good enough. It is that we have to just be open enough to be receptive of what God wants to do in our life. Those are the promises and the blessings of God. So whenever we look at John chapter 12, and uh, I'm uh, uh, Jesus, and this involves his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but I, I, like to, I like to start at the beginning of chapter 12 before we get to the, uh, the text where Jesus rides triumphantly. So six days before Passover, okay? Passover. Passover is a feast that was established when the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were in you know, the bondage of slavery and the, um, Moses was instructed to have every family kill a lamb, take the blood of that lamb and put it to the doorposts of their home and that when the angel of death came upon Egypt, it would pass over those who had the blood on the door of their home. Now, that was Passover. The angel of death passed over the people who had the blood on their doorpost of their home. So Passover has been a celebration of that time of deliverance from the captivity of sin. Well, Jesus dies at Passover because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives by forgiveness, death passes over us. We are no longer held captive to death. Death, hell, and the grave are, are defeated because Jesus' death upon the cross. So the, the significance of Passover is very much a part of the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and his fulfilling the law and fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies about what's, what's going on and what, what happens in the, in the scripture. So when Jesus is dying upon the cross, he is doing so in fulfillment of the law and fulfillment of the scriptures. He doesn't come to destroy the law, he has come to fulfill it. So six days before Passover, Jesus enters Bethany where Lazarus, so re recently raised from the dead, was living. So here is Jesus, six days before Passover. The angel of death passed over. Well, here is Jesus sitting in the home with Lazarus, who he has raised from the dead. Okay, so here you are. Can you imagine yourself sitting in that scene where <laughs> you're in the living room of, of this, you know, room of this home, and there you are sitting in the living room with, with the guy who's just been raised from the dead a few days earlier. I mean, you know, you have kind of an optimistic attitude. <laughs> you know, wow, you know, here we are. And if you think about it, you know, that it probably is a sense of awe and excitement and expectation that here Lazarus, Lazarus is risen from the dead. And there's this expectation of what's going to happen next. But what happens next was not at all what they thought would be. And you see in our lives that sometimes the greatest height of God's blessing comes to hold us through the time of God taking us somewhere we never thought. Doesn't mean that it's going to be death or something like that, but there are, that God prepares us for what's ahead. 
So whenever we are saved, whenever we are forgiven, God is preparing us for the time in which we will die and pass over into heaven, okay? But we're not there yet. And we're not going, we're not, so you give your life to Christ, the blood of Christ forgives and washes our soul from sin, and we are, our names are written in God's book of life. We are safe for eternity, and it doesn't mean we're going to die. <laughs> it means that when we do die, that we are safe and that we will go, you know, do not pass go, do not collect 200 bucks, you know, don't go to jail, you know, mon Monopoly, isn't that the game? We don't play that game, we just go right to heaven. <laughs> Okay, so, so here you are, can you imagine being in that room, and there the disciples, and Jesus, Judas, all these are in this room, and Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. They've been here before. You know, Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were the closest friends of Jesus outside of the disciples. So it is, it is very common or an expected open invitation that when Jesus is in town, when Jesus is, Jesus is in Bethany, he will come and be with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, if you remember, um, it's in John, Luke, in Luke chapter 10, I'll read there, where um, Mary and Martha, well, they were sitting at the, uh, and they were, they were in the house of, in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Martha's in the kitchen, <laughs> And she's trying to get meals ready for the uh, disciples and for Jesus. And Martha comes out, interrupts Jesus, says, Jesus, will you tell Martha to get in the kitchen? <laughs> you know, I'm in there slaving away, and all she's doing is sitting out here, and you know, she's, she's not helping get the meal ready, okay? How many are doers? How many are in the kitchen, all right? All right, well, Martha, Mary's just sitting around at Jesus' feet, not doing a thing. <laughs> and Jesus says, uh, uh, Martha, you are fussing for too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course. Won't be, uh, won't, and, and won't be taken from her. Mary sat before Jesus hanging on every word, okay? So that was the preceding, you know, one of the preceding times in which Mary, Jesus is at the, the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So here we are again, same scenario. Martha's in the kitchen. She's ready to serve. You know, here, you know, I'm excited for Jesus and Lazarus. You know, he's risen from the dead. We'll get the meal ready. We'll get, you know, we'll serve these people. They'll eat and they'll all be happy. And so there we are. So we're sitting in this friendship, one of the, the songs that we just sang was, um, what was the last song you sang? Yeah. See, a lover of my soul, never let me go. So we're in this kind of like, wow, we're in this safe place. Jesus, what, what, what great place to be. Jesus, Lazarus, he's alive. And, you know, we saw him. He was dead. We doubted Jesus. If you'd only been here, God, my, son, my brother would not have died. So we've gone through the terrible agony of, of, Jesus, de, de, uh, of dis, Jesus disappointing us. He didn't come. But then we had, you see, the disappointment that Jesus may have brought into our life is because he has something better. Always, he has something better. They had a healing in mind. Jesus had a resurrection in mind. So Mary came in. 
Now here, remember before, Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. Now, Mary comes in with a jar of very expensive aromatic, aromatic oils, anointed and massaged Jesus' feet and then wiped them with her hair. The fragrance of the oil filled the room. You see, it's kind of like Mary's got this insight. Mary's got this understanding that she, she had from the previous time that Jesus was in their home. And she was seated at his feet, hanging on his every word. And she's, she's moved with this sense of compassion and takes this ointment that is a year's wages, which Judas is going to remind us of. <laughs> and she anoints his feet. And Jesus will say in a few moments, she's anointing me for my burial. Now, Mary doesn't know that Jesus is going to die. She just knows that she feels compelled to anoint his feet and to love him in a way and serve him in a way that is different than Martha desired to serve. So, <laughs> so this is all going on, kind of this expectancy, that holy moment now, moment, and here's this sense of awe, this sense of glory, this sense of understanding, you know, something's going on here, the fragrance of the oil, the, the moment of all this. Judas then, one of the twelve, getting ready to betray him, said, why wasn't this oil sold? <laughs> Always count on somebody for inner, throwing a bucket of water on a special moment. You know, here's this holy moment now. We're worshiping and understanding God. Excuse me, excuse me. Why isn't this, why isn't, why doesn't God do this? Why, you know, let's throw some water on this thing, you know. Let's throw a wet blanket on this whole moment. Who, why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have been easily brought 300 silvers, uh, 300, uh, 300 silver pieces. He said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. <laughs> So he was in charge of the common funds so that he had always was embezzling them. So you see, you look at this and you think, okay, Judas is bringing us back to reality. No, Judas is not bringing us back to reality. Judas is making us aware that even in the presence of God, there are people who are not with God. They are with God, but they're not with him. And so um, Jesus Christ Superstar, okay, the musical big in the 60s. They're going to have it on TV soon. I don't know if it's tonight or next, this week. Easter. Well, the, the, if you've ever seen the play, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's nice in some ways, uh, but it's not biblical. Uh, they portray in the movie, if I remember, in, in, the, in the play, if I remember correctly, Judas is kind of like this guy who got caught in, he's a pawn, he didn't really want to betray Jesus. He's a good guy, but somebody had to betray Jesus, so he becomes the fall guy, and, you know, he's just misunderstood, and, you know, this whole idea. No, Judas was a thief. And, you see, um, Judas <laughs> um, was not a misunderstood pawn. Judas could sit there with Jesus and Lazarus and worry about the money that he wasn't going to be able to steal. Okay? 
He was not concerned about the poor. You see, Judas wasn't the first guy in line to give to the widows and the orphans. He wasn't taking the money out of the pot and giving it to the widows and the orphans and, and you know, taking care of the needy. Judas was lining his own pockets. And Jesus said, let her alone. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus in this moment finally having, it's almost, and I, I, don't, I don't want to take this in the right, right lane, and I want to present it in the right atmosphere of Jesus, that he would have said to Judas, let her alone. You have been robbing us and we know it. You have been stealing from us. And only my grace and my love for you have given you permission to do all of this. But don't you dare come against this, this, this Mary. Don't you dare touch her. Don't you, say, don't you dare say anything nasty about her. Because she's doing the right thing. You know, and I think of that sometimes in our life when the bullies, <laughs> when, the, when, when the people who are pushing us and trying to find, you know, you, you do something good and they turn, it, you, you, they turn against you and they use the good that you've done and they, do, they, they make it out to be bad. You know, when, when Martha and Mary, Martha and Lazarus were at the tomb and Lazarus was there being called out of the tomb and they're saying, here's the guy who healed the blind and gave him sight. Couldn't it, couldn't couldn't even called come early enough to make Jesus not die? <laughs> Taking the good of restoring sight and using it against Jesus that he didn't do the right thing and showing up late to keep Lazarus from, die, from dying. Couldn't he done this? Well, this is Judas. Judas is this type of person. And Jesus is saying, let her alone. And sometimes I think that sometimes when people are come against us and, and for good that we do, make fun of the good that we do. We need to stand there and hear the voice of Jesus saying, let them alone. You're, you're, you're treading on dangerous ground because this is my child and my child is doing the right thing and don't you dare think you can touch him because you can't. Because you take one step forward I'll crush you. You see, she's, she's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you. You, won't, you don't always have me. The, Jesus is not berating the poor. He's reminding Judas that you are drawing attention to the poor, but I'm telling you, Judas, that I will not be here all of the time to rescue you. So he wasn't berating the poor, I think. He was telling Judas, who was using this as an excuse to get money so he could embezzle it. He was telling, Jesus is telling Judas, hey, better straighten up here because the poor you're going to have always, but that's not why you're doing this. Judas, you're not going to have me here to rescue you every time you embezzle funds. (laughs) Word got out among the Jews that Jesus was back in town, and the people came in and took a look, came in to look. Uh, news at 6, uh, Jesus is here, here's the eyewitness. You know, remember whenever we had the news, exclusive news coverage that Judas came out of the tomb? We saw this, you know, saw that on there. So now, exclusive news, you know, there was no news at 6, but everyone, you know, um, 
There was no newspaper, and there was no news or telegraph, but there was the line of communication. When something went, it just was like a buzz, right through the crowd. Well, it went right through the crowd. Jesus and, and Lazarus are in the same place. Let's go look at them. <laughs> so big crowd came. Come see the man raised from the dead. You know, 50 cents will get you a look. <laughs> so the high priest, and this is where, talk about people who are blind. The high priest plotted to kill Lazarus because so many of the Jews were going over and believing in Jesus on account of him. Tell you what, let's destroy, not only do we have to kill Jesus, we got to kill Lazarus too. <laughs> people who are blind who do not have the word of God in their life, who do not understand spiritual things, will plot against those who understand and see. They have cataracts. <laughs> when Rhonda was mentioning that in the lesson about cataracts, one of the things they do to help people understand uh, what it is for people who have cataracts is you take your glasses and you put Vaseline on one of them and let the other one clear, now you have an understanding of what it is to have cataracts. You can't see. Well, these people who are against Christ have Vaseline on their glasses. They just can't see the truth. They just can't, they just can't make it out. So verse 15, 12. The next day the huge crowd had arrived for the feast, heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him, and they cheered. So everyone knew this was Jesus. Everyone knew that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Everyone had an expectation that Jesus is coming and he is the Messiah. Look at what he can do. You know, some, some people think that uh, the crucifixion is a hoax. You know, it didn't really happen. If it did happen, you know, he didn't really die. If he did, he, you, know, he, you know, all these garbage things. Thing is that here is Jesus in plain sight in the biggest, in the, in the greatest crowd that comes to Jerusalem comes at this time. So, you see, he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. He'll ride here in just a minute on the donkey. Um, he rides triumphant. And this is the thing that we need to understand is he is the king of kings and lord of lords and he rides triumphantly over our life, into our life, over every aspect of our life. Jesus Christ is triumph. We've already have the victory over everything that will come into our life. We already have the victory because in, in a few moments and we're going to talk about how that Jesus, he just tramples on evil, <laughs> that because of the crucifixion, because of the resurrection, Jesus has totally defeated, 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 <laughs> defeated death, hell, the grave, defeated evil, defeated Satan, defeated any, de any demon in hell. Jesus has totally defeated them. They, they are scared to death that we will understand how great and how impact how of great of an impact the blood of Jesus Christ has upon our life 
and upon the life and upon everywhere we tread, everywhere we go, everything we do, the, the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of God goes before us and we have this anointing in our life that we don't even recognize half the time that there is a spiritual part of us that makes the devil fear. He is afraid of what you will say. He is afraid of what you know. He's afraid that we will begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the anointing of God and that the blood of Jesus Christ that goes around us and keeps us, that we just, are, Jesus is riding triumphantly into Jerusalem because he knows he's already triumphed over the cross, over hell, over Satan. <laughs> he's already triumphed. He rides triumphantly before the event happens. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. All things work together for good to those who love God. They're called according to his purpose. Everything will come to a positive outcome because we, by faith, ride triumphantly into our tomorrows. I got a whole bunch more here, but it's time for me to quit. Jesus, King of Israel, Jesus got on a donkey and rode it just as the scripture has said. No fear, daughter Zion, see how the king comes riding a donkey. It says that the disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at that time. I think that we don't notice all of the things that God is doing for us every day. We don't notice the blessings he's bringing to us. We don't see them. We just think of them as everyday life. When we get into eternity and we get into heaven and we look back and was like, oh my gosh, look what Jesus did for me there. Look at the strength God gave me there. Look how he protected me. So you see, we ride into Jerusalem. We ride into our life triumphant, knowing that Christ has brought us to this point in time for a purpose and that his anointing and his purpose and his power are part of us and we can't live without it we're living in it <laughs> it just is part of who we are it's just part of this presence that we belong to and it's just part of this you know we live in this place it's like living in underwater <laughs> we're in the water we're in the blessing we're in the power of God we're in this and we're so used to the water we think it's normal to be here and there's people outside looking in saying I don't believe that that exists and we're like yes it does <laughs> the crowd had been there with him when he crawled Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, giving witness to account. Everybody's spreading the word. We saw Lazarus rise from the dead. We were there. We saw it. <laughs> the blind Pharisees. They took one look at this and threw up their hands and said, it's all out of control. Here's Jesus, the fulfillment of everything they believe. And they're there saying, it's out of control. It's out of control. These religious people, fanatics, they're going to destroy this world. <laughs> you know, it's just out of control. It's not out of control. You see, we should never, ever, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in life, life is not out of control. God is taking us to an established end. We don't know how to, why all these things happen. And God is not making them happen. 
They're happening because of people who out here believe that there is no God and there is no accountability and there is only evil and, there's, and they thrive on the evil and evil destroys and God doesn't destroy, God builds. God inhabits the praises of his people. The praises of his people are to do good in their life and to do good in the lives of others. And the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of our testimony is how we defeat the enemy of our soul. Verse 20 says, there were some Greeks in town who came to worship at the feast. They approached Philip from Bethsaida in Galilee and said, Sir, sir, we want to see Jesus. There's a whole world that doesn't believe. There's a world out there that throws up their hands and says, it's all out of control with these religious people. We, you know, we got to do something with them. But there are some who are still saying, we need to see Jesus. We need to see Jesus, and this is us. We are Christ. We are him living in this world. It is not me that live, it is God who lives in me. It is he who causes us to triumph. It's his spirit that gives us life and power, freedom. It's his strength that gives us strength for each day. You see, the world needs to see Jesus, and we're here living in the presence of God. We don't realize you're Jesus. We don't see it. We don't, you look in the mirror, you just see you. <laughs> and that's me, just getting older with less hair. <laughs> But God is saying, no, this is me. This is me. You're, when you love, when you forgive, when you talk about goodness and kindness, and you talk about, well, the world, yes, I don't understand why things happen, but you know what? Jesus loves us. <laughs> you see, Jesus loves us. He loves you. You see, this is what the world needs to hear. We don't have explanations for all of them. You know, the Pharisees, when they said the world's out of control, they were not willing to listen to the teachings of Jesus. They were not willing to look at the miracles. They would not see that Lazarus was dead. They didn't care that Lazarus was dead. They didn't care that he was risen from the dead. They didn't want to see it. And you see, there are people who will not see no matter what. But there are still those who are saying, Sirs, we want to see Jesus. The verse I was looking for is verse, I think, 32, 31. Now Satan, the ruler of this world, will be thrown out. And I, as I am lifted up from the earth, will attract everyone to me. Gather around me. <laughs> Jesus was writing triumphantly because he was going to, <laughs> what he was about to do was destroy evil. The enemy of our soul is already destroyed. The outcome of Satan and all of evil is already set. They are already cast into eternal hell, into the lake of fire. They, their sentence is doomed. They are doomed for their all of eternity. But until that moment comes, they still run around like they own the place. <laughs> but Jesus came at this moment, the world is in crises. 
Now Satan, the ruler of this world, will be thrown out. So wherever we're at in our life, no matter where we are going, we, are, we ride in triumph because Christ has already trampled out Satan. If you want to write the devil a message, write it on the bottom of your shoe, <laughs> the sole of your foot, because the devil is under feet. underfoot. He is defeated in Christ. Shall we stand? What Jesus said in verse 35, for a brief time, the light is among you. Walk by the light. So you have you, so, you have, so darkness doesn't destroy you. <laughs> the light that you have, don't let darkness, don't let darkness come into your light. Always remember, we walk in faith. If we don't understand, doesn't matter. The anointing of God is on our life. We overcome by the word the word of God, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. Jesus, lover of our soul, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you'll never let us go. We stand in your presence as Mary and Martha, Lazarus, the disciples, seated in the room with Lazarus, who was risen from the dead. We sit in your presence with Jesus, who is risen from the dead. And God, it is in this place of comfort and strength that we hang on your every word. And your every word speaks to us of victory, of forgiveness, of acceptance, of love, of a future, of a plan, purpose for our lives. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Let the strength of God be our strength. Let the love of Christ be our love. Let the forgiveness of Christ be the forgiveness of us. Let the image of Jesus be seen in us so that the world would see Jesus. Amen? Do we receive it? Amen. God bless you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>